it can get better for you too. Mind yourself, says Nora. So look, that's a lovely message from Nora Toomey of Cartoon Saloon there. And we said, look, we'd have to find someone who might be able to offer some solutions to the parents who are exasperated out there and uh, find them some tips and things they can use and offer some coping techniques as well for the children and teenagers going through this. So Brona Stars is a consultant psychotherapist and she deals directly with the school avoidance issues. And I spoke to her earlier this morning. Good morning to you, Brona. Um, we know that so many children and teenagers are anxious and that's a lot of the, the, the main cause here. But I gather you don't think it's helpful to try and find out exactly why they're anxious. Um, yes, that's right, Oliver. I think what what happens is we get lost in the way and that's not important. The, what can we do about it is more important. There are so many complex parts to the answer as to why so many young people are anxious today Um, and you can kind of get lost in that. Hmm. So what exactly is happening to uh, the children or the teenager when they don't want to go to school? Well, anxious children and teenagers are overthinkers and their thought processes tend to be very, very negative. So their thoughts are typically shame-based about themselves. I'm too fat, I'm too ugly, I'm too stupid, I'm going to fail, I can't do this. And they're very typically fear-based about the world. So I can't talk to people, bad things might happen. What if something bad happens to mom or me? Um, And that's very heartbreaking for parents to bear witness to such a negative self-experience. And the thing about anxiety is that our brains can't conceive of the difference between a fantasy and an experience. So these kids are overthinking negative scenarios. And their bodies are responding like it's actually happening. So this leads to an over-release of a stress chemical called cortisol. So these kids, their bodies are just saturated with cortisol. And this causes inflammation and creates all sorts of issues. Like, um, you know, their GI tract, this food intolerance, there's viral issues, sore tummies, and then respiratory constriction. So there's the panic attack happening, the tightness in the chest skin sensitivity, maybe eczema, psoriasis, dermatitis, and an overthinking brain which can't switch off. So these kids experience insomnia. They have great trouble falling asleep and staying asleep and they have stress headaches and they feel faint. And what happens is the thought of school becomes nightmarish for them. Right. And um, they, as soon as they, you know, maybe the night before, they're like, right, I'm really going to go tomorrow. I'm really going to go. But when the prospect of school becomes very real, their stress levels surge and their overthinking just gets the better of them. It hits the Richter scale. So the the cortisol, I mean, that's surging through the system and it literally causes the constriction of all your airwaves. And that's the panic attack that a lot of parents who've been on to us saying uh, they're witness. It's very, it's terrifying for the parents. It is Never mind the kid terrifying. It, it's very, very powerless for parents to watch your kids struggling and to not really know what to do. Um, or usually, what happens is, uh, you know, for these kids, their their baseline stress levels about a nine out of ten. Mm-hmm. Um, and in order for parents to know what to do, it's really helpful for them to realise which strategies aren't working. So, you know, when parents come to my office, there are typically two parenting strategies that they present with, and the first one is reassuring. That's the big one for anxious kids. And um, you know, this kid's scared of going to school and mom or dad will say, Don't worry, you'll be fine, it'll be okay. Why don't mm-hmm. you just try it and nothing bad's gonna happen. That and seems the like the obvious strategy, place to start, doesn't it? The reassurance. It 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 does. Okay. However, if you got a, a bill for 
10 grand this morning and you're terribly stressed about it. And um, I'll reassure you right now. Look, don't worry about it, Oliver. It's fine. Yeah. And the universe will provide. It's and as long as your health's there. And um, in the moment, that will actually create comfort for you. But as soon as I walk out of the room, you're left with that anxiety and rumination. So the, the reassuring helps in the moment. Yeah. But it no, actually you said doesn't there was, solve the problem. It doesn't solve the problem. You said there were two other, there's another strategy as well after the reassuring. Yeah, so building up the kids' confidence and self-esteem. These, these kids, um, they tend to feel very inadequate and unacceptable because they have no faith in themselves. So these kids usually struggle with low confidence and parents try to boost this. You know, you're so smart and you're so beautiful and you're so capable and you're so confident. Yeah. But it's like it just runs off them. They just kind of tolerate that and that doesn't work either. You know, telling somebody why they should feel good about themselves won't make the person feel good about themselves. Um, so neither of these um, strategies work and parents feel incredibly powerless then. Mm. Now, I know you have some strategies, Terrible. but before we come to the strategies to, to help people, uh, some of our callers mm. are saying that the, these panic attacks and the stress about school and anxiety happens very, very suddenly, sometimes overnight, and that they say the children yeah. were doing fine before that. Is that possible or are there warning signs that people should look out for? It's hard to know. So sometimes it comes on very suddenly. Yeah, the symptoms come on, but the experience of anxiety has probably been there at a low level. Not so much anxiety is a symptom of something bigger. And the bigger thing is that this kid has no faith in themselves, right. um, is fear-based, and um, and needs a lot of comfort in the world. So, for example, when COVID hit, there was a lot of young people who lived in a kind of comfort zone, but they could manage going to school and they could manage going out to the world and talking to people. But after COVID, I mean, the government said, you cannot leave your comfort zone. You have got to stay there. So they got really entrenched in their comfort zone. And a number of months later, the school's opened okay kids come back into school and they weren't able to leave their comfort zone so mm. we've we've had um you know we had epidemic levels beforehand but now it's just got to ridiculous um levels like i was talking recently to a school principal in Tipperary. there's 430 kids in the school and he said in any given day there are 100 children absent and that's almost all of them are anxiety based so, um, it's extraordinary it numbers. Spectacular now. Yeah, yeah extraordinary. Are, are we seeing the same in the north of Ireland? Because obviously there were different styles of lockdowns and so on, uh, north and south. Just the same. It's actually same. a global phenomenon. Really? Yeah. Um, I want to ask about the strategies that we can employ because the kid is stressed, the cortisol is, is surging through their system, they're having the panic attacks, mm. their stress levels are up uh, off the Richter scale and so on. What can parents do? So the, the first thing you, you mentioned there, Oliver, about, you know, maybe the night before someone gets really um, stressed, trying to manage stress levels in the moment can be very difficult. So going for the long term is better. So it turns out that cortisol, that stress chemical, is contagious. So stressed kids equals stressed parents. Um, mm. And the whole family become, begins to swim in the sea of cortisol. So the first step is to lower cortisol levels, the parents first and then the kids so just Google how to lower cortisol levels. There is a ton of things you can do. Yoga is excellent, but you have to do it every day. And there's a really great strategy called TTT, trauma tapping technique. Just remember those three letters mm -hmm. and you'll find the resources online. That's literally, literally tapping, day. is it? 
tapping, yeah. yeah. And you you do it maybe a dozen times a day. So, you know, when the kid comes down in the morning, they've got the uniform on and they're really, you know, their, their stress level is extremely high and, and it's, you know, is he going to be able to go to school? Is he not? Instead of all the reassuring, do the tapping. Um, it works by calming the nervous system. Um, the diving reflex is another one. It's great and it's a great preventative strategy for panic attacks. So you fill a bowl of ice cold cold water and immerse your face um, and do that a few times holding your breath and you know if someone's having a panic attack and they, they do the diving reflex that'll knock a panic attack out of anybody you know it's a really? great one to do And you're saying that the parents um, should try so, this even before it's a bit like uh, in, in a in an airplane you've to put on your own mask before you assist the children sort of thing isn't it? That you absolutely. manage your own um, stress I mean stress. parents when, when you, you've reached the stage where you're Kid isn't able to go to school because it's it's school based anxiety. This uh, these parents, their stress levels are off the Richter scale, and they're desperate. They're trying every parenting strategy possible, and often parents will adopt two parenting strategies. So one parent um, will become the comfort parent, do all the reassuring, all building up the confidence. And the other parent sees that that's not working. So they will try the no-nonsense approach. And actually that sets up a dynamic of a lot of stress and conflict between parents. Um, and one of my hunches is that that's, that's a big reason for a lot of parental separation these days because the parents yeah. get entrenched and keep um, arguing and being in conflict around strategies to support this kid. You know, you're too soft and the kid, well, if you would do this. And, and again... It's an expression of powerlessness. Nobody really knows what to do. So, right. um, incorporating um, cortisol-lowering strategies into daily life so that the kid's baseline of stress lowers from about a 9.5 out of 10 to about a 7. Because when your stress levels are at 9.5 out of 10 and there's something stressful on the horizon, um, like, for example, being faced with the prospect of having to go to school, there's only one direction you can go, and that's into overwhelm. Um, so these kids go into fight or flight and they're hyperactivated um, and that thought of school just feels utterly terrifying. So if, if you have a kid who's, um, who's at that level, nine and a half out of ten, they're not going to school. It's just it's just going to be um, almost traumatising for them. And just to be clear, the, the, the trauma tapping technique is literally you're just tapping your fingers against your opposite hand or in your head? You or are. Different um, versions, are there's, there? Yeah. Yeah, you'll find it on YouTube. You'll find all lots of stuff right. if you just Google TTT. Um, and it basically they're clusters of nerve endings that you you're you're um, stimulating. They go to the central nervous system, which goes to that fight or flight part of the brain. It goes, shh, you're okay, you're safe, calm down. It's very, it's much more powerful than a mother or father telling you that you're okay because it, it's coming from your own central nervous system. Now you mentioned this comfort zone which is where the kids seek out obviously this is um, doing the opposite to the hard stuff which is going to school and um, their yeah. comfort zone it becomes very small. It does so the, the, the comfort zone um, basically these kids find an antidote to the stress chemical cortisol which is an oxytocin so they become oxytocin addicts they're just their life becomes defined by what gives me comfort and what doesn't and if it doesn't I'm not interested so the comfort zone becomes increasingly restricted over time and they start pulling back from social situations and activities and interests um, and then the, the comfort zone becomes so small that geographically it's simply their bedroom and maybe screens and a family pet 
and maybe one comfort parent and maybe even particular foods like a lot of them like pasta and butter and chicken goujons and that's it um, and it's heartbreaking for a parent to watch your kid live this tiny restricted life mm. when you know they have such incredible potential so how but do we how do we enlarge zone. yeah how do we enlarge the comfort zone and get them out of it so, um, well, actually getting back to school is a level two intervention. You need to firstly focus on level one. So um, encourage your kids, for example, to concentrate. Um, so often when people are not at school, they don't concentrate. So if they're phobic about academic work, get them to read a novel, build a jigsaw, do a bit of art. Um, it's possible that long-term absenteeism means that your kids lost quite a a bit of capacity to concentrate and school will feel impossible if they're not able to do that. So it's also very good for the developing brain. So get also get kids out of nature. It's a brilliant way to reduce stress and, and get them out of the physical comfort zone. This is a wonderful time of the year now with a stretch in the evenings to get out walking. Very good, yeah. Um, another thing is remove all screens from bedrooms at night and that's an absolute must. No screens, these, okay. So that's the, that's the no tough screens. love part, isn't it? You're going to have to ban all that the That is. And, yeah. and really, for a developing brain, you shouldn't have a screen when you're sleeping within six metres of your brain. Wow. Um, and most kids leave, um, sleep with it either under the pillow or right beside them in the bedside locker. Um, and insomniac teenagers, and, and most anxious kids are insomniacs, um, they can spend hours online in the middle of the night. Um, mm. So that'll perpetuate the insomnia. But it'll also diminish the possibility of attending school the following day. Like, if you haven't gone to bed till 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, you're not going to get up at 8.30 to get out to school. Um, so keep focus on those level one things. Yeah, um, they're, they're, good and in, they're great interventions and yeah. they're, they're useful tips for, uh, for, for parents out there, Brona. Thanks a million. I know you're doing a webinar as well for parents Parenting Anxious Teenagers, that's, that's what it's called, and that's next week. That's right. That's next Wednesday. Um, and the registration link will be on social media if you just look for me on social Your media. Your social media, Brona Stars. Um, it's a memorable name. should be easy to find, but I worry <laughs> your webinar on Wednesday, the 6th of March, might be overwhelmed. Parenting Anxious Teenagers. teenagers. Thank you so much, Brona. Thanks, Thanks for your help. Thanks, Oliver. The text is 51551. From the North, text studio, followed by your message to 80889. 